Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Hey, before, I think we have a little bit of time. Um, Rosie, I know this is not unscripted. Are, you want to, no? Ready? Or no, she's sleeping. Okay, maybe in two weeks from now. We have some good news that we want to share with you that some of you know. I'll, I'll just say this. She's legally adopted her little baby. So we're, we're so, all of them, all of them. Yes. And then, <laughs> all of them. This is so beautiful, guys. We want to say thank you for you guys. And uh, because it's Palm Sunday and next Sunday is Easter, we probably won't have time. Probably in the next couple of Sundays, we do want to bring you guys up and we want to celebrate with you. We do. Uh, the, the Bible says that the spirit of adoption is so beautiful, right? So I want you guys to turn to Mark chapter 11. Come on, don't make me shout this morning. Don't make me out shout you, okay? I, I need your excitement. I need your feedback this morning. I need some, come on, pastor. Come on, preacher. Come on, somebody. I need some of that. Come on, my amen corner back there. All right, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 9, a very popular scripture. Um, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, put your hands up. Come on, put your Bibles up. Put your Bibles up. I want to see. I want to see. Wow. Okay. I thought this section would be more technology. Okay. All right. All right. Who has their tablets has a Bible? Come on. Come on. Yes. All right. Okay. 50%. Who has no Bibles? Okay. No, just joke. <laughs> They're like me. Mark chapter 11. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us this morning. Come on. Say that. Speak to me this morning. Let me not be angry, distracted, frustrated. By the word, by the preacher, by a personality, let me receive today pure-heartedly from heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. If you're there, say a better amen. All right, there you go. Okay, church, there we go. We're at RCC now. Now when they drew near Jerusalem... Okay, this, is a palm, this Palm Sunday message is very revelatory, so please hear me. Okay? They went to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Oh, man, that's so significant. He sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, listen, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt or donkey tied on which no one has sat on before. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. Amen. That little baby said amen to me. And immediately he will send it there. So they went their way and found the disciple. They found the donkey tied by the door outside the street. And they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? They're going to, like, steal the donkey, right? Loosing that colt, and they spoke. This is so significant. They spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let him go. Then they brought the donkey, the colt, to Jesus and threw their cloths on it, or clothes on it. And he sat on it, and many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches. Notice that it says leafy branches. It's not just palm branches. That's significant because at the end, you're going to shout. Man, I can't wait to the fourth and fifth point because I'm just going to, but I have to, I have to get, you know, I have to build you up there, right? So watch this. And they threw down, everybody say leafy branches. 
Say leafy branches. From the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before them, those who followed and cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Look at me now. Look at me now. So we're celebrating Palm Sunday today, uh, traditionally here, is the first day of Holy Week where Jesus, really Palm Sunday, is Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem where everyone is waving the palms and waving the branches and waving palm trees and other types of branches and trees. I'll get to that in a, in a, in a, in a second. And leaves and they're waving it and they're saying, Hosanna! Hosanna to the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So as an intro, this, what, what happened there is they were actually uh, celebrating, in their mind, the Messiah. So think about it. They were actually recognizing for the first time that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold it. I know that you're thinking, wait a minute. No, they actually realized because when they were saying Hosanna in the highest, they're actually quoting a psalm, I believe, in uh, Psalm 118. I believe that's where it is, that it says prophetically that the king will come and they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So by them saying that, they're prophesying, this is our king. But what happened is they were prophesying a Messiah that would deliver them from the evil tyranny of political society of of this um, tyranny of this bondage they're in by the Romans. So the Romans were there and they were conquering Jerusalem. So they're like, hey, Hosanna in the highest. Anybody know what Hosanna means? Everybody knows what Hosanna means? I'll test you. What do you think Hosanna means? A lot of people think it's one word, but it's actually not. It's what? I don't want to say you're, what, save us now. Okay. I got some smart people here. Okay, good. You guys pass the test. Sometimes I'll say, what is Hosanna to some? You know what they say? Praise. Like Hosanna, right? But it actually means save now. So when they're saying, Hosanna in the highest, what they were saying is, save us from the Romans now. Save us. They didn't, they didn't think that the Messiah was going to be riding on a donkey. Because the Messiah in their eyes was going to wipe out the, 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 the you know, the planet, whatever, and, and establish rule. But they recognize, okay, that's our Messiah. Go ahead and save us now. And I think that this, as an intro, sometimes what we think God is going to save us for, he's not come to save us for, right? Yeah, I have news for you. Jesus didn't come to save you out of your job. Come on, somebody, right? He, he didn't come. It's like, save us now. They're like, save us now. Save us. Some of you are going, Hosanna at my job. Hosanna, save me now. He didn't come to save you out of that bad relationship. That's not why he came. And listen, married people, he didn't come to save you out of your marriage, all right? <laughs> Some of you are like, Hosanna in the highest. Save now, Lord, from, my, from my, the marriage that I'm in. Hosanna in the highest. God didn't come for saving them now. He came to establish something on the earth and his kingdom. And so it's a prophetic act. What he did come for is to save us from our sin, to reveal the heavenly father, to establish unhindered relationship between God and man, and to bring us into godly identity with Christ. That's what he came for. He came for to save us from our sins, to introduce who the father was. No one ever knew the nature of the father except when Jesus came. He says, if you see me, you see the father. Right? Come on. 
And then he says, and then what he did when he came is to introduce us to fellowship. Now, what I want to do this morning, and hopefully it's not going to be a long message, uh, but that would be a miracle. But anyways, (laughs) if it is, you know that God is doing something good (laughs) in me, right? So I want to give you some key prophetic symbolisms of Palm Sunday and Jesus' triumphal entry. So here's what I'm going to do. I want everyone to look at me, all right? I want to give you five uh, prophetic symbolism or spiritual significances that are applied to your life now. Say now. Say apply to my life now from this story. Okay, so out of the prophetic uh, uh, analogy of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey and everything that happened, there are five prophetic things that I drew out I didn't read it in a book, I read it, I read it in scripture, that I drew out, and after doing some study, I believe that these principles apply now to our lives on the principles of Palm Sunday. Think about it. The principles of Jesus' triumphal entry can be applied now. You say, how can that be applied to me? Prophetically, it applies to everyone because there were so many prophetic things that happened when Jesus rode on a donkey to Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. Say Amen. Amen. Some of you are falling asleep. It's okay. Number one is the lordship of Jesus. You say, what? How in the world does Palm Sunday, does God, does Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey represent the lordship of Jesus in our lives? Come on. Put that slide up there again. It represents the lordship. Everybody say lordship of Jesus in my life. Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem is symbolic of lordship in our life. Why? Because if you do a study, the Bible says specifically that Jesus chose a donkey that had never been rode on before. In ancient Hebrew times, when a king rode on a donkey, he had to ride on a donkey that no one rode before when he entered a city, and that would show that he was a king. So when a king rode on a donkey that no one has ever sat on before, it was uh, symbolic of his lordship coming into a city in humility. But watch this. It's also symbolic of Jesus having lordship over the throne of our heart because every king needs a throne. Come on. And the throne in the spirit realm is you and I's heart. And what Jesus is symbolically doing on Palm Sunday is saying, I'm the only one you will ever need. Come on. He's saying, I'm coming in. He goes, I'm on, I'm on a donkey, and I'm proclaiming that I am coming humble, but I'm also coming as a king on the throne. But which throne right now, symbolically, is I don't want to share seats with anybody. That's what Jesus is saying. Number one, he is Lord to many. Sorry, he is Lord to, to he, is, he is Savior to many, sorry, but he is Lord to few. The word Savior in the Bible is, is mentioned about 60 or so times. If you do a word study, the word Lord is over 220 times. Where do you think the emphasis is? Jesus is Savior over many, and, but Lord over few. What does that mean to you and I? That means Lord means ownership. Does he really own your heart? He is a jealous God. By him coming on the donkey, he's saying, I am everything you will ever need, people of God. In Jerusalem, I am your true king. Listen, other things try to dethrone Jesus in our hearts. Come on. How many know that? Lust can do that. Our marriage could do that. Our finances could be on the throne of our heart. 
Come on, a relationship could be on the throne of your heart. I never thought I would say that. When I was going out with Janice, that, you know, you get that lovey-dovey stage when the, in the beginning. How many remember the lovey-dovey stage? <laughs> Something like, oh, yeah, that was like 20 years ago, right? And I remember uh, Janice was my first girlfriend, right? She was like, because I saved my, I was 27, I was a virgin. Come on, someone say amen. amen. Nowadays, everyone's like, it's so sad that the church is like, oh, you were a virgin at 27. That's how far off we've gone. We should celebrate people's pain pure. We should celebrate people saying, I'm saving myself for marriage. And so watch this. So I, I never had a girlfriend, so I was just really, you know, just like, and finally after I fasted 40 days, lost a lot of pounds, you know, and the Lord revealed all that good stuff, right? I went and started out going out with Janice, and let me tell you something. I was in la-la land in the beginning. I was just like, I'll just be honest with you. I, I was in la-la, because you know, that was my first girlfriend, so I would go to sleep going. I would wake up, and just the first thing I thought was her all the time. All the time. I'm just serious. All the time. Janice, Janice, Janice. And then, you know, when she called. I'll never forget where I was. I was in Okoy, and I heard the Lord say, you need to lay Janice, you need to lay your, your Isaac at the altar, like that. I go, okay, that's fine with me. What's my Isaac? And the Lord says, Janice, she's become Lord of your, the throne of your heart. You think about her more than you think about me. You spend time thinking about her. And, and you know what? I, I remember saying this in my, heart, in my head. I would never say this in the pulpit. But the truth is that I love my wife more than I love God. Sometimes your kids could be the throne instead of Jesus. Sometimes your family that you love so much could actually be first and Jesus is second. I'm preaching good this morning. Jesus riding on a donkey is saying, I want to be Lord and King over the throne of your heart. I'm the king. And watch this. And I want, watch this. I want nobody else on this. That's why he said, get a donkey that nobody else, oh, glory to God, nobody else has written on before. I don't want the, the old uh, uh, somebody that just kind of like have three, four, five different people on the throne. I want to be on the throne. Can I be honest? Why is that so hard to receive? In 2022, Jesus said, uh, sorry, Corinthians said, you can't eat in the tables with demons and th the table with the Lord at the same time. <laughs> I said it before. It's like you have a dinner table. It's like, oh, devil, hey, can you pass me some, you know, lust and, and some uh, pleasure? And Jesus, can you give me some peace and mercy? Man, I just love having one foot here, one foot there. No, God wants to be the king of your heart. Can I hear an Amen. The other reason why Jesus was doing it was, is because he was proclaiming prophecy. Lordship. In Zechariah 9.9, 9, you could put that up there. By Jesus, listen, listen. By Jesus coming in Jerusalem on a donkey, it should have alerted the Hebrews and Jews. Wait a minute. If I study the Bible, watch this. If I study the scriptures, something is happening that is significant. Look at what Zechariah 9.9 9 says. Right up there. Rejoice greatly. This is the Old Testament. O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king, king, Old Testament, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Oh, glory to God. Look at this. Lowly and riding on. Listen, they prophesied this. 
Lowly and riding on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. Your king is riding on a donkey. It should have said, if those who knew the scriptures, something should have popped up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Zechariah 9.9 just prophesied this. But nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. So he was fulfilling scripture, but he was also saying, I want to be the throne of your heart. Can I hear an amen? Before we go to the next uh, point, the lordship means that sometimes it's tough. The topic of lordship does not mean control. He's not trying to control you. He's, tr- he's trying to be, amen? He's not trying to control you. I think the reason why people have a hard time uh, with lordship is because they think of, of, of humans trying to lord over them. And they have bad experiences with humans trying to lord things over them. But he's trying to be the Lord so that you won't have any other lovers and you'll be able to have the peace that comes in your heart. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, yet do you not do uh, what I say, right? And so that's the Lordship. Say Lord. Here's my question before I go to point number two. Is he Lord over your finances? I should have preached this before the tithe. You're like, darn it, man. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? The Lord was there, the Lord, uh, finances was their Lord. They had every right to say, look, we sold this property for such and such. Even Peter said, you had every right to do what you wanted, but you lied when you said you only sold it for this amount. And the Bible says that Ananias and Sapphira died, right? Because they did not honor the Lord even with their money. So is, is, is the Lord Lord, is Jesus Lord over your finances? Is he Lord over your family? Does your family know that you put Jesus first in everything? Which means sometimes turning off the TV for bad programs. Because if he's not Lord, you're like, nah, it's not a big deal. I don't even know what my kids are doing anyways. Come on. Come on. I know it's quiet because they're hitting home sometimes. I don't know. I don't know what my kids are doing. You should know what your kids are doing. Point number two for Jesus coming in. Are you ready? Now, this is powerful. I've never spoken on this before. Prophetic symbolism of Jesus coming in Jerusalem is the proper understanding of suffering. Please hear me what I'm saying. This point prophetically will speak to you and I today because we have this issue with suffering, thinking that suffering and blessings are opposite. We think that if someone is suffering, and I'm going to get to how it relates to Palm Sunday, that when we're suffering, we're somehow out of the will of God. Somehow, if we're suffering greatly, that blessings are way apart. Can I tell you, if you're suffering and you're a child of God, you are blessed. You are blessed. If you're suffering this morning with pain, if you're suffering this morning with some heartache, if you're suffering with relational uh, conflict, if you're suffering with a, a pending divorce, you are still blessed. Why do I say the proper understanding of suffering? Because Jesus was riding on a donkey and everyone was praising him, but yet he knew that in less than one week he would suffer more than any man had ever suffered on the earth. He was, pra- he was being praised, he was smiling, but in his mind, there's only five days away before, I- he knew the timing, before I get whipped, before I get flogged, watch this, before I get crucified. Now I want you to imagine with me, I want us to go, <laughs> let's go. Go on a trip on a little rocket ship. I want you to go on a trip with me in your, listen, in your mind, floating through the sky, right? 
Listen, listen. Listen, listen. I want us to imagine all of us in our beautiful congregation that we have been translated 2,000 years ago in a time machine. I know I'm talking a little childish here, but just, just bear with me. Let's pretend that we didn't know the end of the story like we do. We could shout now because we read it a million times. But let's say we were in the crowd. Listen to me. Listen to me. We were in the crowd there for the first time, and we saw the donkey, and we saw Jesus, but we had also saw Jesus raising people from the dead. We were there. We had saw Jesus. If we were there for the first time, we would see him raise people up, heal people, and all of a sudden he started slowly winning our heart, and we called him blessed. And we would be there, and we would call him blessed. And, oh, my God, he's a, son, he's a son of God. He's blessed. Look at how he's, he's walking on water. When he started getting flogged, and we saw it. When he started getting arrested and beaten, and we saw it. And, and when he started getting crucified, and we saw it, we still call him blessed while he suffered. Come on. Let's say the truth. Right now we say, of course we will. Of course we'll call him blessed. No, because we already know the story. But if we were still there, I guarantee you, most of us would say, oh, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Something has happened here. He must be guilty of something. And we confuse suffering with being blessed. With not being blessed. Here, I'm, here to, I'm here to tell you something about suffering. The Bible says if you endure suffering for the glory of God, the Spirit of God rests upon you. Some people have this false dichotomy that if you're suffering like Job, that something's wrong with you. All of Job's friend, you know what? I don't know. Maybe all those balls on your body, maybe, maybe all the stuff that happened to you and your, and your camel went and all in one day your house got burned and your children were dead. I don't know. I'm, 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 I don't know, Job, but maybe it's because you have some sin in your life. Christians could be some of the most judgmental people. You know what? I discern, Brother Job, that you just need to repent. Well, I, didn't do, I didn't do anything. Go ahead and repent, Job, and all these other friends. You, I think he's right. You need to, somehow you need to just humble yourself because God is against you. We have this false theology that when we're suffering, that blessedness and blessing is far from us. I want to read a quote that I've never written before that I read in a book. I want, this, this shocked me. Quote, okay, so this is a quote. This is not PG, okay? It's not going to be on your screen. Listen. It says, you're not a hypocrite when you call yourself blessed when your life circumstances don't appear to be blessed. So in other words, you're not a hypocrite when you say, I'm blessed, but you're broke. <laughs> That's not hypocrisy. That's not hypocrisy. Well, I, I'm broke. That means I'm not blessed. God's not blessing me. Or I, I, I'm sad. God's not blessing me. Do you understand your position is, has nothing, your blessing has nothing to do from God, from your circumstances? Your blessing means you're a child of God. You have the spirit of God in you. You are blessed. The Bible says, how, how is it that we are called the children of God? Watch this. I'm going to continue with the quote. You're not a hypocrite when you call yourself blessed when your life circumstances don't appear to be blessed. Watch this. This is strong, so just pre-warning. Quote, you're a hypocrite when you stop calling yourself blessed just because circumstances aren't so great. I've never, I've never saw it like that. We're a hypocrite when we, call our, when we don't call ourselves blessed because our circumstances aren't so great. 
I'm here to announce you are a child of God, and you're blessed, and you have the Spirit of God in you. It doesn't matter. If you are born again, and you got the Spirit of God in you, you are blessed. You're blessed going in and blessed going out. But I have no money. That has nothing to do with the Spirit of God in you, calling you blessed. The fact that you are born again, saved from your sin, my God, you are a blessed person. And we have this false dichotomy that, that causes people to quit because we relate people that they're suffering, that they're outside of the will of God. Come on, guys. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're not outside of the will of God if you're suffering. Yeah. Now, of course, there's a balance to all this. We, we reap our own, choice, our own decisions. We reap our, uh, the consequences of our, own, of our own decisions. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Guys, suffering is what Jesus did, yet he was blessed at all times. And he suffered greatly. I want, to, I want to encourage someone that is suffering here today with pain or suffering like me in pain or suffering financially that don't call yourself unblessed because you feel that you can't make it financially or you can't make it relationally or you're still single. Come on, somebody, amen. I'm still single. I'm 30. Or, don't, does it matter? Suffering does not mean you're not blessed. As a matter of fact, if you endure the suffering you will be even more blessed. You, you know why? Because the Bible says that when Job prayed for his friends, wait a minute, you, don't, you didn't catch me this. You didn't catch this. Who did he pray for? But who were the ones who were the main cause of his emotional, his emotional drag? And it was his friends. The Bible says in Job, I believe 42, when Job prayed for his friends, then he got healed. Oh, I could run around the church. He prayed for those that hurt him, and when he prayed for those that hurt him, all his affliction left him. Hello? 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 And when his affliction left him, you know what the Bible says? God restored double. Suffering, if you endure it, you will restore double. And can I say something about suffering before we do number three? Someone who endures suffering and still stays faithful, God could trust that person. I, I kept showing up when I'm suffering. And then all of a sudden we start seeing church growth. And we didn't pray more. We didn't fast more. We just kept showing up. Having done all things to stand, stand therefore. Where's the magic in that? There's nothing. Just keep standing. Where's the three steps to stand? Where's the deep book that says seven steps to stand? This is how you do it. No, just keep standing. Just keep showing up. Just keep preaching. Just keep praying. Just keep serving. Come on, Ryan. got to give you a handshake. Come on, Bubba. Wake him up a little. Glory to God. He's kind of looking at me like. You know I love you, Ryan. If you endure suffering, listen to me. This is, this is good. God will. I'm not can. He will trust you in high positions. Because sometimes he's seeing if he doesn't falter, she doesn't falter, I could trust them with great responsibility. Let me tell you, there's something about enduring suffering that makes you um, get trusted by the Lord. Now, here's the third thing. 
I can't wait to number four and five because I'm really going to preach that one. So number three, the third symbolism of Jesus coming on a donkey in Jerusalem is this. A time of promised peace from turmoil. Now, if any time we need peace in our nation and in our lives is now. With this pandemic, with what's happening in our government, with ha- what's happening around the world. Now, you say, Pastor George, where did you get that? How did you get peace? Why peace? Because if you do a, a study on ancient Hebrew, here's what happens. This is a powerful study that the kings of Judah, when they would ride on a donkey to a city, it was calming the city down because the city would see by far there was a whole entourage coming, but then there was a king that was on a donkey coming, which means I come in peacetime, not in wartime. If a king would have come in a horse with his entourage, with a city, that meant trouble. That meant he's about to take over or he's about to establish some rule. But when a king came on a donkey, it meant it's peacetime, baby. I'm about to establish peace. Listen, Jesus doesn't have peace. He's the prince of peace. God, today, he wants to establish his peace that is eluding so many people's minds. We need, so many people need peace today from anxiety. So many people need peace. Those who are suffering mental anxiety, the number one thing you need is calmness, tranquility in your mind. Isn't that right? I'm not trying to call people out, but some of you, it's always racing, it's always doing. You just need peace. Peace is what we need when it comes to the storms in our life. That's why Jesus didn't say power when the storm came. He said, peace, be still. And the storm just came down. Every storm that we are having, Jesus wants to ride into the Jerusalem with his donkey and say, I'm declaring peace time. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this slide. Look at this slide. It may be wartime. Listen, if Jesus is the only one sitting on the throne of your heart, it can always be peacetime inside of you. Listen, it may be war in your house, but it's peace inside of you. Come on. It may be war in your church, but peace inside of you. It may be war in your, in your job, and it will be all chaos, and all your friends are scattered, and, and there's people getting angry in your family, and there's people getting angry at you, but there could be a peace that passes all understanding. Not only that, peace is his name. Come on, peace. Everybody say peace is his name. That's one of the names of Jesus. Isaiah the prophet said this, unto you a child is born, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Peace. Peace eludes so many people today. We're so worried about our, our life. Oh, I feel that. I feel that for somebody. We're worried about tomorrow. We're worried, can I, will I still be in my house in a month? Can I pay my bills? And nobody says, no one sees a silent struggle, maybe the shameful struggle that you have. And peace is eluding many. Palm Sunday is a prophetic sign. I want to be enthroned in your heart. And one of the manifestations is peace. Everybody, everybody say peace. Everybody say peace out. Everybody say peace. I believe that Jesus wants to bring peace to some people today. While I was praying, I realized that there's um, so many things that, that we are worried about, and uh, peace is eluding some. How many of you believe that peace is something that you really need in this moment of your life? What that means to me 
is that we are thinking about so many things and we're not, we're not calming ourselves down for the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule you. That's what the Bible says. Let the peace of God rule your hearts. That's the third one. Here's the fourth one. I'm going to shout now. The fourth prophetic word or the fourth prophetic symbolism of Jesus coming to donkey, watch this, is a time to praise and rejoice in the Lord. Listen, continually and always. Oh, everybody say always. Prophetically, Palm Sunday is a time to stand back and say, I will praise the Lord always. Always. Why? Because there is a during the tabernacle, the Feast of Tabernacles, right? If you know anything about the, the, the Jewish feast, like, which lasted seven whole days, okay? Look at this, look at this. They commanded the people, God, God told Moses, during the Feast of Tabernacles, command the people to have a branch in one hand, a palm branch, and a willow branch in the other ones, and wave it for seven days. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't get this. I'm going to read it to you. Leviticus chapter 22, because I want to shout better than you. Sorry, Leviticus 23. You can look it in your Bibles, starting verse 34, and then we're going to jump to verse 39. Leviticus, are you getting something out of this? Look at this. This Old Testament, speak to the children of Israel, saying, The 15th day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days. Come on, say seven days. Also, the 15th day of the seventh month when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. Watch this. Look at this. This is verse 39 uh, onward. And on the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest. On the eighth day of Sabbath rest, and you shall take for yourself on the first day, this is the Feast of Tabernacles, the first fruit of the beautiful trees. Wow, wow, that sounds a little familiar. You're going to take the first fruits of the trees, the branches of what? The branches of what? And, and the boughs of, uh, of leafy le- trees and willows. Everybody say willows. Mm. From the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. Watch this. For seven days straight. We can't even do it for two hours. <laughs> you're going to get a palm in one hand and you're going to get a willow in the other. And you're going to praise me for seven days because I'm going to establish a pattern in you that you're going to praise at all times. Now, why is that significant? I want you to look at the picture of a, of a willow, right? Now, a willow is what we call weeping willows. Have you ever heard of weeping willows? All right, that's where we get the term weeping willows because a willow is, is hanging down. So we could put that picture up there. See, a, 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 willow, a, a willow is always hanging down, is, is weeping, it's droopy, and that's symbolized, that's symbolized of, of um, sorrow, weeping, sadness, despair. Th- those are the things that it represents. Are you, are you following me now? It represents despair, sadness, weeping. God says, get that specifically when you praise me. And then, now look at the picture of a palm. Look at the difference with a palm. Watch, watch the palm is real strong, right? It's real tall. Look at, look at, the, look at the, the leaves of it. It's very strong. It doesn't bend downward. Look at that. It's always standing. You see those, you see those palm trees. They're always strong, right? So palm leaves represent victory, joy, triumph. 
Watch this. Watch this now. Let's make this. Not, watch this. I'm getting aware of something. Gee, the Lord says in the Old Testament, I want you to grab a palm in one hand and a willow in the other hand, and I want you to praise me at all times. Why? Because it's symbolic of I want you to praise me when you have good days, and I want you to praise me when you have bad days. In the sorrow days... And in the despair days, I want to teach you a lesson, Moses, that it's not only the palms that you're going to wave. You're going to wave the willows at me too. Come on. You're going to have to learn how to praise God in the difficult days if you're going to make it through in this lifestyle. We know how to praise God in the good days. We know how to praise God on the palm days, but we don't know how to praise God in the willow days. Come on, somebody. Here's the thing, that, you, that if you are in a willow day, because these are symbolic of seasons of life. You could have palm days. You could have palm days. Watch this. And right before, and it would be good the whole day. But at nighttime, it could turn to a willow day because you get one phone call of a tragedy, one phone call of a, a conversation that will hurt you, something, an accident happened to your loved one, and a palm day could suddenly turn to a willow day. But the good thing is that miracles could strike just as suddenly as tragedies. Come on. So, so watch this. If you're faithful in the willow days, God will bring you to the palm days. If you're faithful in the willows, he'll lead you to the palms. Come on. Give God a praise break today. Come on. Lift up your hands today. Glory to God. I want the worship team to get up there. If you're faithful in the willows, the weeping may endure for a moment, but joy, joy comes in the morning. You know, Paul the Apostle, he was with chains, you know, and, and, he, and, 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 and when he was with chains, he said something that was really ridiculous. Can you imagine Paul the Apostle? Look at me, guys. He's in chains, and he's in prison. And I, listen, I can, back then he had chains in his ankles, and chains in his arms. And so he, they, he was able, they were able to give him an ink pen because they didn't have a real pen back there. It was a feather, right, with ink. So he, he I can imagine the Paul the Apostle saying, hey, listen, I, I got an idea. I got an idea. I'm going to have a revelation to say something while I'm in prison. Hey, let me go. And all, I can imagine all the prisoners are hearing him. Oh, what is God, Paul going to say? He's going to say something deep. Oh, yeah, I have something, something deep. Oh, he's going to say something about how to overcome the prison season. He grabs a pen, a feather pen. He said this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Wait, wait, wait. Rejoice in the Lord in the willow days? He said, rejoice in the Lord always. You know what the psalmist said in Psalm 34? I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually, 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 continually beware. That is the problem. We don't have it in our mouth anymore. We just have it in our hearts. Go from your heart to your mouth, and you see what happens. While I'm praising God in my, heart, in my heart, let it come out of your mouth. His praise will continually be in your mouth. How you doing, Pastor George? I'm okay, but God is with me. God is blessing. How you doing, Randy? I am blessed. God has provided for me. It's, it's the confession of your mouth that declares if you have joy in your heart. If you, what comes out your mouth is not joy, is not praise, then you're going through something that, and you need healing. 
So one thing we can't do is we can't fake it very well as humans. Because some people look at me, I say, how you doing? They're like, I'm blessed. Well, I know you're blessed. And I say, well, do you have joy in your life? I have joy. Let it come out your mouth. Let, let joy come out your mouth. Praise out of the baby's mouth silences the enemy. How much more mature people in God. You take the palms and you take the willows. Some of you, you're willow season right now. God is saying, still wave that thing at me. Come on, save it because if you do, if you do that willow, that sadness, that sadness, and you watch this, if you choose to praise God during the tough times, he will bring you to the palms. He will bring you to the palms. And when God decided to wipe out an enemy, he used praise as a weapon. Your enemy is going to be silenced, I tell you, if you just choose to praise God. I have learned this lesson. When I want to complain, praise God. When I, want, when I want to shout about something that's not right, I praise God. It's hard to be mad at God when you're worshiping God. Lord, I love you. I praise you. And I lift up your name, you Lord. No, that's... I've never seen someone that praises God mad at God. You start off angry like, Lord... Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. And then you're like, worship his holy. <laughs> because praise, praise brings joy, but it also softens your heart. Church, take the willows that you're having, take the palms, and rejoice in the Lord always. I'm telling you prophetically that if you praise during your willow season, God is about to bring you joy. Your circumstances may not change, but your heart will. The oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. Come on, say willows and palms. I got to praise him during my willow season and during my palm season. Some of you are in a palm season right now. In other words, you... You've, you've, been, you've been in the willow, but you're in the palms. Rejoice still. Because I've learned that when people are in the palm days, they stop praising God a little bit because they got what they wanted. Continue to praise when you get that promotion. Continue to praise God when you, when you finally get that answer to your prayer. You're like, I don't got to pray anymore. No, keep praising God. One of the things that the Lord is telling me lately is just be thankful. That's part of praise. So when I'm in pain... I, trust me, I, I've done this just in the last couple of weeks. Here's what I do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I keep repeating, thank you, Lord. 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 That doesn't make sense, does it? Does that make sense? Neither does it make sense for Jehoshaphat to go up to a mountain and there was a big army coming and God says, I have a, a real good strategy for you. Okay, great, because they're about to kill us, Lord. Rain down some weapons from heaven. Give me some shields. Give me some swords. Give me some arrows. Can you, can you throw some arrows at me? Come on. He goes, no, I got something better. Open up your mouth and praise God. What are you talking about? No, no, this is real war. This is not spiritual war. I understand that, but there's real people coming after me. 
I'm not talking about just demons. I'm talking about real people. I know that. Jehoshaphat, get some singers, get some musicians, and start worshiping God. Second Chronicles chapter 20. What are you talking about? If they're hurrying. They're coming. Open up your mouth, Jehoshaphat. Okay, fine. Guys, 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 come. RCC, let's lift up our voice. Can you imagine? We're all scared because there's like a thousand people coming. And my instruction to you as a pastor is, guys, I have no guns for you. I got no sword for you. All we're going to do is we're going to shout to the Lord and we're going to praise God. And let me tell you, I don't know what's going to happen, but God told me to do it. You're going to be like, this guy is bonkers. Where's my weapons? That is your weapon. Do you know that as they began to praise God physically, this is crazy, not spiritually, physically, the physical army started getting confused and blinded and they started killing themselves. Your enemies will start killing themselves in the spiritual realm when you begin to praise God. Come on! Wave those palm branches. Wave those willows. Because in your sad weeping season, God is waiting for you to praise. Some of you need to hear that. It's so hard, Pastor George, to praise God when I'm down. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. But this proves that praise begins by faith, not with a feeling. It begins by faith. You may not feel anything, but as you open up your mouth, the portals of heaven start opening up. And here's the last one. This is exciting. The last point of Jesus coming to Jerusalem. Put that point up. The promise, listen, of hope and salvation. But it's not just a little salvation message that you think of. The, the journey of the donkey to Jerusalem was a prophetic sign. I'm about to send hope to a troubled world. I'm about to send salvation to a troubled world. Not only of their sins, salvation of everything from the enemy. Why do I say that? Because, oh, here it goes, here it goes. Symbolically, everybody say symbolically. The dove in the New Testament is represents, represents, and the Bible says that in Isaiah, there's something else that's symbolic of Jesus. And I want you to see in Isaiah, put that scripture up, put that scripture up in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 2. Are you ready for this? The Holy, everybody say the Holy Spirit. Symbolic of a dove. The, the dove came down. The Holy Spirit said that the dove came down. The Holy Spirit as the form of a dove. Watch this. Symbolically, Jesus is also called. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, a new branch. A new branch. Everybody say a branch. We're Palm Sunday, bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will be resting on that branch. Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Spirit of counsel and might and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Look at me, look at me. What happened is this. The Holy Spirit is symbolic of the dove. Or dove is symbolic of the Spirit. Branch is symbolic of Jesus. So you got the dove and the branch. On Palm Sunday, this is a revelation 
that Jesus, what he was actually doing, he was going way back to the Old Testament. And he's trying to set a prophetic picture that he's about to set people free from darkness. Why? Because after the flood, there was Noah that the Bible says that the greatest, the greatest catastrophe on human history, wiping out a whole human race with the flood. The Bible says that Noah waited and waited and waited, and he sent a raven out. Come on, somebody. And the raven stayed out there because it was dead carcasses, but he also sent a dove. He sent a dove out, and it kept coming, and it kept coming. But when it was safe, and when there was hope, the dove came back with a branch. The dove came back with a branch in its mouth, symbolizing there's hope for catastrophe. The dove is coming with a branch. Watch this. He didn't come with any branch. He came with an olive branch. And you know where Jesus ascended? Where Jesus ascended after he resurrected? In the Mount of Olives. And you know where he's coming back? In the Mount of Olives. An olive branch is symbolizing I will be there when there's calamity. I will show up when there is no hope. I will arise. I'm here to announce that the dove is coming with a branch. Woo! The dove is coming with a branch this morning. He's flying and he's saying there is hope. The branch is Jesus. The dove is the Holy Spirit. And just like it was in the days of Noah, God is saying in this Palm Sunday, if you wave your willows and if you wave your palms, God is going to bring hope because the dove is coming with a branch. Come on, church, stand up to your feet. There's hope for you this morning. There's hope for a troubled season. Come on, come on. Do you see the dove coming? Do you see the dove coming? Come on. The dove is coming with a branch. He's coming with a branch. He's Jesse. He's the tribe of Jesse. It's Jesus. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, but he's coming to your life with hope from turmoil. If you've been dry and you lack hope, this is a time to praise God no matter where you're in. Come on. No matter where you're at. I want you to praise God no matter where it is. Lift up your hands. Come on, lift up those willows. If you're in a willow season, come on, lift up your hands. If you're in a palm season, lift up your hands. It doesn't matter what season you're in. If you're in a season of dryness, I dare you to praise God. The Lord says that if you praise God, He'll bring you to the palms. Come on. The Holy Spirit is coming with Jesus, saying you don't have to suffer the flood anymore. The flood of life. You will have to suffer the flood of the salvation of financial drowning. You won't have to suffer the flood anymore because the Bible says when the, when the, when the devil comes in, the Lord raises in a standard against the flood. Lift up your hands and praise God. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.